From New York City, the world famous Comedy Cellar presents Live from America Podcast. With Noam Dorman and Hatem Gabber, live from America Podcast, where the top experts in the world and the best comics in the nation get together weekly to discuss today's issues as they cover news, culture, politics, comedy, and more with an equal part of knowledge and comedy. And now, here are your hosts, Hatem Gabber and Noam Dorman. Hello, welcome to Live from America podcast. This is Hatem, uh, alongside me, Norm Berman, owner of the Comedy Cellar. And our regular friend, a comedian, Boris Hyken, is here. Hello, hello. Hello. Boris. hello. And uh, our guest of honor and a regular here, uh, Republican strategist, I uh, work with a lot of uh, big names in the Republican Party, like Donald Trump, like uh, Mario Rubio. Uh, Rubio. Uh, and he is the one only Brian Sarachek. Hello, Brian. Good to see you Hi. again. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me on. I don't know if you guys are ready for this, but you are in the presence of somebody that made the news this week. So I don't know if you, uh, you know, you, you have a celebrity in this show right now. So his name is Noel Dorman. Who touched it? Hatem, your mic is sounding kind of funky. Yeah, it's been funky. I'm going to try to. Oh, there you it. go. You just yeah. it sounded better as soon as you responded. Oh, okay. So, yeah, um, Norman viral this week. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw it, uh, but very proud. Brian, I know that you did because we were talking about this a little bit before. So, no, I'm on my flipboard. I'm reading, I'm going through the articles, and all of a sudden it pops up. I think it was a Fox News headline that said you uh, you mixed it up with a Washington Post reporter. And then I went and, and tracked it down and, and read the interview. Uh, you know, not that anyone cares what I think. Well, I, I guess you've invited me on, so you somewhat care what I think. No, but no, I thought you were pretty care. fair. You don't give a shit. But <laughs> I thought you were pretty fair, and he got real red hot. I mean, he got really pissed. I thought you were very reasonable and, frankly, engaging in the you know the start of it. You talked about having a discussion, which, frankly, we all should have more civil discussions. He was clearly not interested in that. I'm so fed up with this guy. First of all, he he went on Twitter. So, I mean, you want to hear about this now or no? Yes. Yeah. That's why. So, so I, you know, the, there's that clip that went viral where I'm asking about the Hunter Biden text message. Now, I knew when he said that, that it was ridiculous. And we have a guy who works at the Comedy Cellar whose job it is to make clips of our podcast. And I declined to make that into a clip because I always feel like if somebody comes on the podcast, even if they uh, have a, you know, even if we get into it or whatever it is, that listen, I don't make a living on this podcast or anything. And I, I'm my my instinct is not to use someone looking like a jackass as a marketing tool. Bad enough they look like a jackass. I don't want them to have to say, Jesus Christ, now he's using the back look like a jackass in order to tell the world. Like, I just, just, it's not me. So I didn't do that. Someone else on the internet did it for me. But what he did do unbeknownst to me while I was making that decision is he went on Twitter and as a, uh, you hit people say he subtweeted me, which I believe means you tweet about somebody without putting their hitter, their Twitter handle in the tweet so that they can be aware and be notified that they've been tweeted about. And in it, he called me dimwitted or he said my questions were dimwitted. He named and, you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's not subtweeting technically. What is it? 
Subtweeting is just like this guy that I got into it with. Like it'd, so, it'd be like. What, so what do you call when somebody names you, but they don't, but they don't put the at sign. So you're not notified. I don't, I don't know if there's a name for that. I think that just, he didn't tag you, but he, he talked about you. <laughs> oh, whatever it is, it, it's a cousin of subtweeting, right? <laughs> so whatever it is, it, it's, it's sleazy in the sense that you're going to talk about me, then name me. Right. But he, and then this other guy, Daniel Dresner, who also went on, came on the show and, said a lot of things that turned out not to be true. Basically everything he said, he said, yeah, he did have a kind of Joe Rogan vibe. I'm like Joe Rogan vibe. So, so anyway, but you know, it, it caught on and, and he, and he mocked me, uh bump mocked me that the podcast had not gained traction. Like famous last words had not gained traction. So it bubbled up finally. But um, so he and I, you know, he, I, I sent him a long email right after the show about how I looked into his factual claims and I found them all to be provably false. And I invited him to, maybe I'm missing something because I'm going to cut these into the show. So if I'm missing something or if you think my interpretation is wrong, please let me know and I'll correct it or I won't do it. You know, you know how I am. I was, I'm just trying to get to, to be honest. So, but I didn't want to let him get away with saying things that were patently false. So I gave him the chance to, to respond to it. He didn't, he's ghosted me ever since. So I guess I'm I'm meandering and, and jumping around here, but uh, he he accused it. He accused I have it right here actually. He accused the uh, interview of being a setup, and I will show you the um, the email if you want to see it, or I'll just read it to you um, of exactly what I we said to him. We're looking forward to having you on about 45 minutes. He was on for an hour. He said an hour and 15. He complained, but it was an hour, about 45 minutes. But we all know every podcast goes on long. About 45 minutes on Devin Archer testimony, on Devin Archer testimony about Biden and Burisma. So that's what that's what we invited him on to talk about, which is what we talked about. He is one of the nation's experts and influencers on this issue. I did not confront him with any of his own words, like you wrote in 20, blah, 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 blah. You know, that would be kind of a gotcha thing. I only questioned him on the facts in the record. And I played the video and read the transcripts of every single thing I then asked him a question about. So there was not a single thing that was gotcha. When he offered rebuttals about what was in the testimony, I said, let's let me look that up. Uh, what? Give me a couple words to search for. He says, "No, no, I haven't got time for that." So I even offered to read his his defenses in into the record, and he wouldn't do it. I mean, I can't say enough about how this guy deserves it. There was nothing went on here except the fact that I totally exposed, in my opinion, totally exposed the fact that he had no interest in following up on any aspect of this story, which might lead to an uncomfortable conclusion. And that's uh, why at the end, when I asked him, what do you make of this text message where Hunter Biden says, I give 50% of my money to my father, which is, you know, that's the whole accusation that he's giving his money to his father, right? He says, I don't know. I said, well, what do you think it means? I don't know. Well, don't you think someone should ask her, his, his daughter? I don't know. This is surreal. I it mean, sounds like he's yeah, not free I, to speak. I, I, I gotta, I wait, gotta what, say. Wait, wait, wait. What, uh, what is that? We see that text message where your wife says that your son's DNA matches your best friend. 
What do you think that means? I don't know. Well, what could it mean? I don't know. Maybe it fucking means what it says. This is a text message between two adults that was only between them that no one else was supposed to see. It wasn't written for anybody else's consumption. It was between, he says to his daughter, and you imagine his daughter was 25. I mean, that would be a hell of a thing to receive from your father out of context. Like, like you imagine he's referring to something which you assume she already knows something about it. The only thing I'll say is that, well, the among the things that he could be exaggerating, he could be lying to get sympathy from his daughter. We don't get to see what his daughter responded, which would be very much what we'd want to see. So even if you have Phil Bump's worldview, you could see that and demand the response. You know, you can write a couple of things. It looks bad, but it, how can we know if we didn't see what she wrote back, you know? But whatever it is, he did the full ostrich. This is our media. And, you know, people who don't spend their time doing deep dives into this stuff, people have other things to do with their lives. They rely on these journalists to kind of give them their North Star. So if you hear from the Washington Post that there's really nothing much here in this story, you're perfectly reasonable, at least you would have been prior to 2016, to say, eh, there's probably not much there. Because if there were, the Washington Post would, would have said so. But now you find out, well, actually, no, you can't make that assumption because here it was in plain as day that if there's a really difficult fact, the Washington Post just ignores it. Yeah. And doesn't even feel the requirement to even come up with an answer. Like, even if it's a bullshit answer, they actually don't even have to say to themselves, well, yeah, no, that, that's not what it appears because of this whatever harebrained idea that we have that, you know, they don't even do that. It's like, I don't know. You're, you're not supposed to know that. You know, you're not supposed our, to question that. Our readers don't watch Fox News or the New York Post. They don't even know about this text message. So we can get away with never mentioning it or having to answer it. That's the real story here. It's such a bubble. Yeah, I, had, you know, I, had... I, I I'm just going to say two things quickly and then I'll let you guys uh, go in that. One is like um, when I saw Ben Shapiro, my friend Ben Shapiro tweeted it, tweeted Noam. I text him. I was away and I was like, and then it went crazy. But here's my beef with Noam is he will he will always I don't know. De decline me posting uh videos clips in protection of somebody uh, that it's a conversation i have so many great clips that he will decline over and over and over and all these clips would have gone because you know uh not it's not about going viral it's about getting the word out there so no i'm telling you right now i'm not asking you anymore i'm no, just no, doing no. it I, I don't i don't listen I know the you don't want to get viral, but these people. No, that, this is what I think. I compare Noam to Omar from The Wire. You guys know Omar. He never sure. put his gun in a civilian. Noam only debates somebody <laughs> very smart. You know, so for them not to be able to ask, and we have like, and there's things in this particular podcast that he said back in like years ago that happened. You know, no, there's, no, no. I, I, you can't do it because it, it violates the spirit. It may not be their spirit, but it's my spirit of the debate, which is that we can have it out. We can yell at each other, we scream at each other, but then we can still be friends and go have a drink or whatever it is. It's not supposed to be that the debate then carries beyond the debate to a to a personal animosity. And the act of taking a clip where somebody looks bad and they don't get to choose their clip, right? Taking a clip where somebody looks bad and using that to promote our podcast 
No, it's but not it's not what I said. It's not I, something I want to do. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say we're going to get somebody that looks bad. Actually, when somebody looks bad, you know that we edit it and sometimes don't even air it. What I'm saying is there is clips with questions that's important that the people need to know. Really do, you know, yeah. and from both sides, either or Republican guess, or Democrat. Guess, and, and he just like be like, oh, no, maybe this, this, this. So anyway, uh, Brian, what's what's your thoughts? I, I had two thoughts. One, it's, it's clear that among media elites, it's a one-sided conversation. And to your, uh, you know, when, when you pressed him, he was not interested in having sort of civil discourse about it. It was he knows best, uh, which I find, you know, rather par for the course uh, with folks like that. And, and second, it is the decline of, of discourse. You were looking, you know, your, your setup was very clear. You're looking to get some answers on what's going on in the news. He was, uh, in theory, a foremost expert on it and was not willing to engage. You were not being dickish at all. I've only no. done this show a few times, but I've watched some of your stuff. I see when you're being dickish, respectfully. You were not being dickish at all. And he was clearly uh, just not interested in, in that sort of discussion. I also find it interesting that when you look for someone to sort of offer uh, you know, what's going on in the Hunter Biden case. And I don't want to say, you know, the, the Democrat perspective, but it's a reporter that is able to sort of best offer that perspective. I noticed that on the, on the Sunday shows, the meet the presses and George Stephanopoulos, you know, they'll have a Republican on, and then they'll have somebody from the media representing the left side, which is not the way it was 40, 50 years ago, you know, during the Walter Cronkite era, when they were pr uh, presenters of the news not you know uh presenting sort of opinion news and, and and i get that fox news you know has their version and msnbc is their doppelganger but you know the washington post prides itself on being a national paper and one of the leaders and they clearly as if there was as if we needed any more evidence of them pushing their own agenda that clip says everything we need to see so that's my thoughts on that boys I think most people, and it's sad that this includes journalists, but I think most people are kind of lazy. And when they hear a particular sentence that comes from the other side, they love to try to associate it with the dumbest people on that side. And so I think there's a lot of people on the left who haven't looked not just deeply, but even like at some of the most basic stuff of the Hunter Biden stuff, where the, the parts that at least signal that an investigation might be appropriate in terms of how finance are be, uh, being transferred. And they focus on the part that is probably the part that, that those people want you to focus on, which is like, his son's a crackhead. His son's got videos with hookers. His son's got a gun. And it's like the, the reasonable response on the left to a lot of that is, well, I'm not voting for Hunter Biden. So why do I care? Blah, blah, blah. You know? And so I think if you bring that up, a lot of those people just lump you in as like, Oh, you're just a rabid conservative that wants to yell about a Hunter Biden with hookers as if it's relevant in any way. And and that's it. And and that's where all the thinking stops and they don't want to investigate further because to them it's this vapid thing and you're just a lowbrow, you know, whatever, trying to use what, what you can to weaponize against Joe Biden, which well, is true for some people, but it's lazy. You can have a smart person and a dumb person say to me the same quote. And I think without investigating further, it's actually quite difficult to tell for both the right and the left, whether someone is, you know, in good faith bringing up a subject or just saying a soundbite that kind of like is their attack dog on this issue. So you bring up this, you know, there's so many interesting things in that interview. And I think of a different thing every time I listen to it. But you just brought to mind something I hadn't really thought about. And I, he 
tried, this is tangentially related to what you're saying. He tried throughout to use Hunter Biden as a lightning rod for the whole issue in the sense that his strategy was to concede. Yeah, Hunter is sleazy. Yeah, Hunter was selling influence. Yeah, Hunter behaved terribly. As if he's being reasonable. And I kept saying, I want to talk about Joe. I want to talk about in every one of these contexts, how does this relate to Joe? What should Joe have done in this concept? How could, how could, what should Joe have known? And, and, and as I'm looking back at it, that was that his, his strategy didn't work with me because as opposed to what you're saying, I don't have a thing to say about Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden is not my business. He can do what he wants. Our business is the behavior of the vice president and then the president of the United States. So Joe to me is, I mean, Hunter is just the fact pattern. And then the the consideration is how did our elected official handle it? Did he handle it on the up and up? Did he handle it in a corrupt way? And and he did not want to talk about these things. And if you listen to it, he kept not answering my question. I kept saying, listen, I'll let you finish, but you have to answer my question first. I'll have uh, to listen to it, but it sounds torturous. It was and. <laughs> And it, yeah, it's tedious. And um, there was another thing, and people do this all the time where, and he said this, well, you know, you, I thought this was a good faith conversation. You can't dictate the terms. And that's very uh, um, funhouse mirror-y because in my opinion, in a good- That made no sense to me, no, when he said that. I heard that and that struck with me. That, that uh, I didn't quite get that point. That felt like a bullshit point on his part. Yeah. So, but I, I and I want to make the point. Thank you. That a good faith conversation, if the conversation is a debate, the actual good faith conversation is that both sides do feel obligated to answer the other person's questions, because that is the Socratic method. That is how you force the other person to follow your logic. So then you can prove whether your logic is strong or not. If you, because that's, if, if he won't proceed along your questioning, he is preventing you from making your point because the way you make your point very often is through a series of questions, either to another person or to yourself. How about this? How about, and then he should be able to do the same in reverse. And then the other person should similarly feel obligated to answer the other person's train of thought. And that is a good faith conversation. And he was pretending exactly the opposite. He was making it sound like me requiring him to follow my train of thought by answering each question. That was the bad faith. Fuck that. He's 100% wrong. And a journalist should be ashamed of themselves, ashamed of themselves for resorting to such a false and transparent argument. He knows better than that. And if he doesn't know better than that, they should fire him. You should, you should have locked the door of the studio. See, that's, like, I, don't, I don't know if that's worth a clip or not, but that's the kind of clip I don't care about because, you know, that's, that, you know, I'm making a point, but I just don't want to, you know, whatever. You should, have, you should have closed the door of the studio until I'm like Breaking Bad. You leave when I tell you to leave. Nah. <laughs> right, speaking of another person go that going viral, you know, I mean, he's being very uh, pop popular right now. Vivek uh, uh, Ramaswari. Uh, what's what's your Ram, Rama Rama who Rama who? Swari. Sound, sound, sound it Swami. out. Sound, sound it okay. out. 
What? Sound it out. Ram Swami. <laughs> Ramaswamy, go ahead. <laughs> I like how you corrected me in uh, middle, not Middle Eastern, but Southeastern names. But yeah, that's know. that's why I think it's funny. You're supposed to be you're supposed to be more adept at these names. Than oh, you not. think that we all know each other in names because we all have like weird uh, last names. I called um, this, by the way. Do you remember I called this on on an episode we did? You like, did maybe a month or two ago. You we did. cut that out. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it unless I uh, know I'm gonna put your 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 face on that. No, I'm called it a couple. <laughs> no, but it's true. But the thing is, I think it's just gonna be the rise and fall. In my opinion, I think he's just they're just gonna destroy him. So a couple of us, uh, I know Andrew Heaton, the comedian, last week he said he's trying to get a book out of it. I think he's trying to get a VP out of it. Uh, Brian, what's he's your been pretty clear. The expert. Yeah, I, I don't think he's. Uh, I mean, he certainly was the star of the debate. He was the, you know, he was the, 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 the one with the most buzz, the one that was talked about most afterwards, but I'm not sure that it necessarily helped his polling numbers. You know, some polls show it did well, others show it went down. Uh, he was the star of the show, but again, I'm not sure it sort of furthered the goal in theory, which is winning the nomination. Uh, I don't quite understand it separately how you win the nomination without, you know, going after the guy in first, but I think the objective is to garner attention. I think the objective is to put himself in a position for future opportunities. I don't know what those are. I know he's from Ohio and the, uh, you know, uh, Mike DeWine will be termed out in 2026. Maybe he runs for governor. Maybe he tries to get on a, a, a political show. Maybe he does write a book. The fact is he is chasing buzz. He is buzzy. He says buzzy, interesting, noteworthy things. He's, he's more than content to tell everybody on stage to, to go to hell and, revels in being the contrarian. Uh, I don't think he's has any real shot at winning the nomination per se. I don't think he's the VP either. I don't think that's that's the pick. But I do think the goal is to generate buzz and name ID in the in the Republican world in the political world. And for that, I think he was successful. Uh, so I don't think he's going anywhere. I think we're going to see more of him certainly for the next five to six months through the campaign. And I suspect we see him in the future. I mean, I've been around this business long enough. I see when somebody has the bug and he seems to have the campaign bug. So I'm gonna lay it down here. I think he's gonna run for governor in Ohio in 2026. I think this he's able to, to parlay this name ID and this donor network, and he clearly has plenty of his own resources into a gubernatorial run. If, he re if the end goal is really to be president one day, then getting elected governor of Ohio is a pretty big step in that direction. So I think we're gonna, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he's gonna be a, a flash in the pan here. I think he's gonna be around for a while. Boris, what do you think? I think that's pretty astute. I didn't think of the governor thing because he's been really, really kind of almost gone overboard to be clear that he has no interest in being someone's VP. He's mentioned it a couple times when they've asked. He, he He's worded it in, in a kind of weird way where he just, sees himself i guess in better positions i i want to see him through the end i said i think he's like a pretty good debater he's a good speaker he seems to have um a broad grasp of certain issues although certain other issues i've been a little bit less impressed by i think some of his ukraine stuff historically didn't quite work out for me uh, kind of in general a lot of that stuff I, when i hear a, a kind of a really confident take on here as how I will end this war. I get skeptical immediately because I just don't see anybody as uh, it's just, you know, these things last years. And I, I think it's 
people should show a little bit of, uh, um, I don't know, to, not so much hubris in trying to say that, like, we'll do this, this, and, the, and then the war will be over. I think that makes me skeptical immediately. But otherwise, I mean, on so many of these different issues, he seems to have had, like, not only a, a very articulate and, and he's a good salesman and he kind of sells his response, but, like, yeah, there's a reason he came off in that debate really well. I'm excited to see him in other ones. I think he'll put everybody else on their toes in terms of what they can do. But, yeah, some of the foreign policy stuff, I'm a little bit, that that's where they'll get him. And that's where they went. They've been kind of getting him so far. Norm. Yeah, I, I don't like this guy. Um, I mean, to me, he's one of a long series of flashes in the pan. They're usually Republicans like uh, Herman Cain or, uh, uh, um, who was it, uh, in the, in the last, uh, Ben Carson had a return. Ben Carson, but you but you see the Ross Perot to some extent, but um, uh, yeah, the guy has no real record that I understand. He's he's a used car salesman and he's he's glib, you know, on steroids. That you you called it exactly right in my opinion. When somebody's you know smooth talking, how easy it is to end Ukraine. I mean, somebody like Henry Kissinger will look at that what an asshole or so like like like, <laughs> like what, what a like what a moron thinks that you could just say stuff like that he doesn't even have trump's uh illusion of actually having been somebody all these years i mean you know i i think that i think we've pretty much come to the conclusion that trump was much less of an actual nuts and bolts businessman and much more of an, of a marketer than we understood. But at the time in 2016, that, that wasn't apparent to me. Um, and I just, I don't like this type of guy. I just don't, I don't like it. And I don't like that. He denied, he accused the Atlantic of misquoting him when they have him um, on tape. Uh, what did he accuse them of misquoting him about? I, I don't remember what they. It was Israel. It was, oh, it was support for Israel. No, was uh, it about nine eleven? No, it was about nine eleven in Israel. It was, it was the two of them. Oh. one thing he does have from he, Trump. Wait, 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 he just wait, he implied he implied that nine eleven was an inside job. No, 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 no. At least the part that I saw, because I did see a clip of this, and it was more about the fact that the person that housed some of the Saudi hijackers was like either on a pay. I, it was something that was in the the like current court cases that are happening or something relevant to the families that are suing Saudi Arabia right now. He wanted to know who was on board also. He wanted to know if there were any federal agents on on any of the planes. Uh, so he had some questions. But one thing he, he did inherit from or did sort of mirrors Trump is that he cannot be shamed. You know, I always talk about it. That's one of Donald Trump's superpowers is uh, he let, cannot be shamed and he does not concede ground. And for good or bad in our in our politics today, that is a the ability to stand up there and 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 just continue to bulldoze is a is a skill that resonates in with I looked, voters. With I looked voters. up the, I looked up the quote. The Atlantic posted the audio to well, I didn't listen to it, but looked at this, but they also put a transcript. Ramaswamy. I think it's legitimate to say how many police, how many federal agents were on the planes that hit the Twin Towers? Like, I think we want maybe the answer is zero, probably is zero for all I know. Right. 
I have no reason to think it was anything other than zero. But if we're doing a comprehensive assessment of what happened on 9-11, we have a 9-11 commission. Absolutely. That should be an answer the public knows the answer to. Now, what is he implying there? What, what difference does it make how many federal agents were on those planes unless you are implying that there's something suspicious going on there? And then he denied saying that. But that's a classic Trump move. That's where Trump sort of says, some people say, I'm not saying this, but some people say. I mean, no, it's very he's, much no, in, he's in not saying role. He's not saying some people saying it. He's saying it, and it continues. Yeah, well, but there, I, I get that. But there's also an implication there that gives him, uh, however thin, some level of deniability. And I don't I see any say deniability. Exactly. No, no, no. I agree with you. That's what he's implying. But it's done but in such it. a way that he has some level of being able to back away if he wants to. And again, like Trump, he just simply... Uh, ignores the criticism and barrels through. And that's a, that's a Trump superpower that, that absolutely drives his detractors crazy, that he cannot be shamed and simply does not concede mistakes or concede ground on anything. And, okay. and Vivek has that superpower. Okay, okay. But let's just say, and this is where Republicans, you know, they're disturbing. I mean, I, I know you represent them, but they're disturbing. Someone needs to just put a, a stake through the heart of this zombie here this vampire and say you you clearly were saying that 9-11 was a conspiracy and when you said that you never said it that was a lie too and nobody should support you we cannot have a president as a crackpot i don't know if that's necessarily equating that first of all I, there's oh you guys are crazy of course it is well, look, I think he's walking us there and he certainly wants to give that impression, but he gives himself enough wiggle room, whether it's disingenuous or not to do that. Wait, is there any, is there any, hold on. Is there any doubt that it's disingenuous? Well, I, I, I think a little I, bit. I, I, you know. I think he's he's wording it, like you said, with enough plausible deniability. But no, also, he's not. There's no plausible deniability. I'll read it. I think asking the question, uh, framing it as a question already adds some plausible deniability. Exactly. No, but also, I agree but with also Boris. No, but also no. No, I think we a, all agree in what he's saying, but the, you can't deny that there isn't some wiggle room there. I deny there's any wiggle room. Okay. If I said, well, if, if I, if I start asking questions about Boris, where were you when my wife got raped? I think we have a right to know where you were when you. But were, this is I how would, that I guy not, felt when you no asked way, about you, Hunter nothing Biden. extreme about that statement. No, it, well, it, that's more. That's you can't compare that to nine eleven. Of course, this is. is but this it, is it, how it, that you guy ask, felt. You don't ask, I don't, don't think ask. he sent his question, and I, I'm not in a position to. I, 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 I've somehow been boxed into defending his position here, but <laughs> it, it's not. It, there is some wiggle room there. He is posing no, the not. question. What's the wiggle room? No, but this is like this is like that guy. Tell me the wiggle room. Well, this is like by posing it by posing it as a question. Tell me the the um version of that transcript which could come out of the mouth of someone who was not implying that there's evidence of an of a conspiracy. Okay, yeah, I'll tell, tell you. Me, tell me who, why would they say that? Okay. So there has been connections with the Saudi Arabian government in in the involvement in 9/11. Saudi Arabia has a strong diplomatic relationship to the United States. Mm -hmm. There are currently in court families suing Saudi Arabia for their involvement in 9-11. And yet in these commission reports, there has not been a direct outline of what exactly is the involvement that Saudi Arabia's government had in this event. 
I think that's enough to say, why don't we have a more clear picture of that? No, that that's all that's all well and good. And we and we've known that, and that's a that's a legitimate issue that 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 the January that the nine eleven commission was was um caught in a worry about offending the Saudis. But that has nothing to do with. But but fine, if you're saying that that gives you reason to think that there's a conspiracy here and that we had that we knew about this and that's why we had no federal officials on the plane. That's not wiggle room. You're saying that that's what he's I saying. Guess- you, this, if the statement is, I believe federal agents were involved in blowing up planes on 9-11, that is different than posing the question. One walks you up to the edge, not denying. No, it's not different. Nobody those two believes statements that. are different. They are fundamentally, if I make an assertion versus a question, the tone is different. The vibe is different. And no, I'm this is very I, similar. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just amazed. You're saying this. Five question. Why is it that every time blah blah blah, there's a Jew involved? Say, well, that sounds like you think that there's something, there's something, there's a relationship between being a Jew and these things. How could you say there's no wiggle room if somebody says that? But no, we're, we're not Do fucking idiots believe- here. We know we we know how conversation works. When you ask a question, you ask when you're president when you're running for president of the United States, you presume that that question is emerges from some factual basis that you think is not nonsense. So he believes there's some factual basis that is not nonsense, which would allow a reasonable person to question whether 9-11 was somehow we knew about it and therefore kept our federal agents off the plane. There is, guys, there is zero wiggle room. You might agree with him. And that's that's your prerogative. But don't say this. No, I, I do not agree question, with him. But I, I, that this I, I question just, well, that you could have this question without paying uh, service to that underlying fact. But no, this is exactly how the Washington Post reporter felt when you asked questions about Hunter Biden. The you are by necessity saying there's a conspiracy where Joe Biden was bought and paid for by the Chinese and the Russians. No, that's your question at all, Boris. It's just, that's that's, that's that you're re- here. That is no parallel. You're reaching. And I and I love you too much to, to, to expose. We'll leave it up to the listeners. Uh, let us know what you think who wait can i say one more no thing about Vivek? just in a comment saying let him say well let boris say one I more do thing want to he say redeem one, himself <laughs> one major difference between trump and vivek is that trump is hilarious yes. and vivek is not it's funny true. at all it's, it's very true and, well, and well this will be my allows... next question well, I do what? think that. Hold on, sorry. That that is a fair point, Boris. Trump is, frankly, in, in in the mold of Bill Clinton, kind of that like it or not. And I know this drives some people nuts, but there is a a lovable rapscallionness about him. There is that, and, yeah. and and Vivek is does not does not give that. Like you don't want to, you know, you want to hang out at a party with Bill Clinton and Donald Trump. That's where the action is. I don't think you want to hang out with Vivek at a party. I don't think he's he's that much fun. It's no, true. He doesn't so look fun to hang out with. Wait, can I just add? Because I that was half of my thought. The other sure. half was that part of the reason Trump is so funny and why it works to his advantage is he's able to say some of these things and it feels almost like he doesn't know any better. Whereas Vivek articulates himself on some issues. Like one thing I'll give Vivek credit for is I've seen him head on interact with certain like social justice issues, interact with people asking him about gender issues. And he is able to articulate a kind of good faith right wing uh point of view on it directly with those people in a way that to me I've seen be fairly like 
disengaging and 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 disalarming and kind of lowers the uh tension of the room which trump is not only not able to do but he does it in a way where he comes off as just the, the epitome of evil to the people that disagree with him and kind of funny and just prodding to the people that might agree with him or might want those people to fuck off and because vivek is able to do those parts in my opinion well and articulate them when he does it in other areas it feels like he should know better where with Trump, it's like, well, Trump's just kind of like saying whatever. And he's kind of funny and he probably doesn't know any better when it comes to this particular foreign policy thing. And he's just being cocky with Vivek. It's like it feels like he's intentionally lying or leaving certain things out. It feels like it's almost like with comics. Sometimes comics are able to deliver things in a way where it feels like they don't know any better and it's easy to laugh at them. And then other comics aren't able to get away with delivering the same type of ideas because it just feels like they should know better for whatever reason. But I did inject. And by the way, an another, hint, joking? An another hint that I'm right and you guys are wrong is that Vivek denied saying what the Atlantic said. He said he didn't he didn't even he didn't even have the nerve to say that no, I didn't say that. I just asked questions without a you know whatever whatever harebrained argument you guys are making. He he says I never said that. I'm gonna reread the quote. All right, all right. so let, because we want to move on. So yeah, uh, in the comments say giggle room or no giggle room. That's the uh, code word. Uh, would would Vedic be more popular if he ran as a Democrat with obviously changing the policies that he's talking about? I don't even know what that means. Means yeah. he run. You don't know what that means? Like if he changed all of his views to be more with the Democratic establishment? Yeah, but he ran as a Democrat. Would, would he be more like, oh, shit. Like he's, the Beatle, okay. he's asking, would the Beatles be more popular if they were the Rolling Stones? I have to go to the bathroom. Sir, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, first of all, I just don't think there's the appetite in the Democratic Party for a, a, a you know, sort of a self-funding wealthy guy like that. I mean, Michael Bloomberg went nowhere in uh in the, yeah but in, he had no personality camp. howard uh, schultz went nowhere yeah i i mean i just did don't you say andrew schultz <laughs> how howard it. schultz uh i mean the republican party is the one that traditionally promotes you know small business owners or successful business people a lot of folks in who are republicans or become governors or whatnot you know they have a, a career they're successful and then they run for office it's the democrats that just by uh, by nature sort of promote apparatchiks that promote uh, political people who then kind of move up the ranks. I mean, obviously there is examples to counter that on both sides, but I don't think his story, I don't think his his sort of Horatio Alger success story translates as well to the Democratic side, because frankly, I do believe there's some hostility towards successful people in the Democratic Party. And if you've made a lot of money, uh, which which clearly he has that that is that is not something to be revered, uh, even though that to me is the embodiment of the American of, of the American success story. It's something to be criticized. So even if you change the positions, I just don't think his his bio uh, would play well on the Democratic side. Okay. I do think you Nikki Haley? She, Nikki Haley, there's a polls show that she would clean up with this election. She goes like she's like six points ahead of Joe Biden. Uh, I have seen that poll. That's a national poll. But yeah, I've seen that. And I do feel that, you know, if you look at the winners in, in the debate, first of all, I think the winners were absolutely Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I felt like they won the debate. But in terms of people on the stage, whether it translates into numbers today or not, I do think Nikki Haley was the winner. I do think she emerged as the sort of 
pre-2016 Republican candidate. If the party decides they want a more quote-unquote traditional nominee, not someone that's waiting for Trump to collapse and they're Trumpy, you know, Trump-esque without the Trump baggage, I think Nikki Haley clearly put herself in that position as the more traditional Republican nominee. Now, I'm not sure the party has an appetite for it. Time will tell. But I do believe that, you know, there was uh, a few weeks ago, Tim Scott was supposed to be the was supposed to be that guy. As you know, I was on the show last year and was was very high on that stock. I'm selling that stock now that just has not translated into a, a national following. Nikki Haley, really strong on defense, smart, articulate. Uh, a successful governor, not Trumpy, but kind of Trumpy tolerant, we'll call it. Uh, but again, I'm just not sure that that's what the party wants right now. If they do, if, if they say, hey, we're post-Trump, it's time to move on, you know, we're tired of that sort of affect, then I think she is, she is well positioned, even though her poll numbers have not moved appreciably. You know, it looks like post-debate, Trump picked up a few, DeSantis stayed even or lost a few, maybe Haley picked up some and others, but it's not as though she's moved into the clear second second spot. DeSantis is still holding on to second place, although very precariously. Yeah, uh, but, and not to mention poll- that, that Nikki Haley go way back with Noam, FYI, if you guys don't know, they do. No, I didn't yeah. know that. Some drinks, she was at the comedy cellar, so, you know. Maybe normal. I, I have it. Okay, so this is the thing. I'm 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 supporting Nikki Haley because uh, we hung out one night. She got drunk. Uh, we were we had pictures in the fat black pussycat. Um, she was she was absolutely charming. Um, I mean, there's no shame no shame in getting drunk. She she was uh you an ambassador at the time. Oh, She's of Indian daughter. descent too, right? Sweetheart, I'm doing a podcast now. I can't talk to you. I'm doing a podcast. He's talking to Nikki. Hello, so I'm anyway. on a podcast. <laughs> Hello. So, 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 uh, yeah, good. You um, thought she was cool? Oh, she, she was, but she won't stop. She, she was awesome. She was awesome. Um, I really had a good time with her. And, um, but, uh, here's my question about that. You made, you made the national poll point, And I think you're saying you're, you're, you're alluding, making, a, uh, you're, you're alluding to the fact that there's a difference between the national polls and the electoral college, correct? Well, I'm, I, in the primary, there's a difference between the national polls and the state polls. Yeah. So here's my question. Maybe you know the answer to this. We know because uh, the Republicans seem to have right now an advantage in the Electoral College that when the polls show like Trump down by two points or three points nationally, there's a good chance he might win the Electoral College because, you know, it, it both times it first time he won and lost the popular vote the second time if he had won he was very close he still would have lost the popular vote by even more is there what is the reverse if nikki haley is up by six points does that mean the probability of her winning the election is significantly higher than the probability would be if the Democrat were up six points, you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. Uh, I don't know if there's a direct correlation there, but being up six points at a national poll is a big deal. And yeah. from a Republican perspective, you'd have to think that that it'd be a strong electoral college victory. I mean, you know, the, the, we're only talking about less than 150, 175,000 votes. If those switched, 
uh, you know, Clinton Clinton wins in 16 and, and, and Trump wins in 20. But certainly a six-point national lead for a Republican would be a big deal because we get killed on an, uh, from a popular vote perspective in California, New York, and Illinois. I mean, those are three monster states that Republicans lose by 15 to 20 points. Obviously, Republicans don't campaign there, so the score just gets run up there. Uh, so, yeah, a six-point national lead would certainly be a big deal and would lead to a, a Nikki Haley blowout. Yeah. I, Who I, do you I, think? So, so the, uh, I was going to move on to another question. You have oh, a comment on please this? do. Go, go. Okay. So the next debate is coming up. Who do you expect that could drop after if they don't do well? Like, do you expect at any point that DeSantis will, will uh, drop? And also, who would drop after the second debate if they haven't uh, done well? It's hard to say. Nobody, I mean, nobody, nobody. No, it's really sort of when the money runs out, and you know, Mike Pence doesn't seem to be going anywhere. He he can stick around, I guess, if he wants to. Chris Christie is all about blowing up Donald Trump. I think he's he's a pretty sharp guy. I'm pretty sure he's aware he's not going to be the Republican nominee for president, but that he gets a lot of coverage in the media, and he's trying to uh, no, he's not aware. give he's Trump not aware. a hard time. But his numbers are somewhat improving in New Hampshire. I mean, I look at it this way. If Trump wins Iowa or New Hampshire, whether it's by 10 points or one point, it's over. This thing is done if he wins Iowa or New Hampshire, and then we're going to have the longest general election in modern times because we haven't had two nominees set this early. But if Trump wins those two, it's over. Uh, but, you know, nobody, like I said before, nobody has really emerged as the, as the, as the alternative to Trump. It was supposed to be Ron DeSantis, but over the last four months, sunshine has not been his friend. You know, I have clients where I say, Hey, if we could chat with every, every voter, you'd be in great shape, but it doesn't work that way. Uh, for, for Ron DeSantis, the more voters have gotten to know him, the worse uh, the worse his poll numbers have been. So somebody else will emerge, whether it's Nikki Haley. Right now, certainly conventional wisdom says it's Nikki Haley. Someone is gonna uh, is gonna get close in Iowa, New Hampshire. Voters are gonna take a look. They're gonna take a breath. They're gonna say, "Hey, do we want to go this way or go that way?" And if they go Trump's way in Iowa, New Hampshire, this thing is done. People are welcome to stick around till Super Tuesday, but it'll be a fait complete at that point. What what uh, what I think that um, I think these politicians are idiots and they constantly go overboard and gild the lily and they don't really understand how real people react to things. So I was keen on DeSantis because he handled COVID in a way when when all the dust settled that was smarter than I would have handled COVID. I you know some of the decisions he was making at the time I was like well well, well that's pretty. Now, maybe he got lucky, but whatever it is. And, and you know, the press was that he was a number cruncher and he had the data and he went to Harvard and Yale. And these were, he wasn't, these were not just like from the gut decisions. And, and, and Guantanamo, don't forget Guantanamo. And Guantanamo? Yeah, I remember the other podcast uh, with, with Robbie. We talked about. Oh, oh, he, oh yeah. He was a, a lawyer. He was a lawyer, yeah, yeah, was yeah, a yeah, lawyer yeah. at Guantanamo. So I was prepared. Well, this is what we need. We need a, a uh, and he was anti-woke, but it wasn't like, wasn't like a, a obsession and he, he he had won Florida by one or two points and then second time won by like 18 points you know there's a huge vote of confidence from the people who had voted against him and what does he do he just goes on a ridiculous tear about gays and Disney and blah, blah, and you know and, and I have some some 
well of sympathy for some aspects of all those arguments. But all I saw was pandering, pandering, pandering. This is not why I want you as president. I want you as president. Same thing with same thing happened with Christie. He said that he thinks Hunter Biden should go to jail for 10 years. He said that in a debate. I'm like, you know what? I, I agree with you that Hunter Biden is getting, skating by. I I agree with him. What are you, a Nazi? You want to send this poor guy to jail for 10 years? And I'm like, I don't want Chris Christie as president. And now all of a sudden I thought of, oh yeah, now I could totally see how this guy closed the Washington Bridge in order to get even with his competitors. This is a this is a fucking mean dude. I don't want to see Hunter Biden in jail for 10 years. I don't even necessarily want to see Hunter Biden in jail. I just would like to know that either they treat Hunter Biden like everybody else, or I'd even be happy with the flip side to say, you know what? Maybe some of these laws are too harsh because now that they're happening to somebody we know, we realize we don't really want to put somebody in jail for, for a, a drug addict who's already somebody to be feel, felt sorry for. Now we're going to put them in jail for filling out a form inaccurately. Like, of, of course, a drug addict is going to put fill out a form inaccurately. That seems like a heartless thing to do, doesn't it? To put a drug addict in jail because he lies on a form. He's a drug addict. Chrissy wants to put him in jail for 10 years. So, so Haley seems to be the one person who seems to understand and by the way, wouldn't kill Christie to show some sympathy for to Hunter Biden because Hunter Biden is not the issue. It's the well, just it would kill him in a Republican primary. Let's be clear. No, it would not. That's yes, it the would, dumb, absolutely no. It would not because all he had to say is, "Listen, Hunter Biden is an unfortunate guy, and believe me, many of you voters out there have people in your own family who are drug addicts and know exactly what this means." Your beef is not with Hunter Biden. Your beef is with the Justice Department. Merrick McCann said it. I, I do on. not think that would hold be a, on, winning, hold a winning recipe in a hold Republican primary. If you Merrick Garland should be impeached, these people should be disgraced because they want to put your kids in jail for this kind of stuff, and then look the other way when it's the president's kids. You don't understand that my answer is better than Christie's answer. You actually think that would lose votes in the Republican primary? Wrong. That's exactly what okay. people would respond to. Why would it? John, Why do you John, think it would lose votes? Do you think uh, John, John like McCain, when they tell revenge? him Obama's Muslim, that's very famous. And he said, no, he's a, you know, and he's a, and he said, no, it's a good, he's a good man. He's just, you know, that actually gained him more sympathy and people yeah. liked him. Hatem has a, has a macrame, you know, a, 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 a pillow with that, with that saying, uh, with John McCain saying. <laughs> Wait, I'm curious though, no, Brian, it, is we, your, is your take that just like the Republican primary audience is just rabid to see people take Hunter Biden down or like, well, yes. why do you think it's so? Yes. I, I, I just don't think showing sympathy to Hunter Biden is a, is a, is a winning recipe for for primary voters. But if that sympathy is in the context of like, we're not the Justice Democrats put it, we're not voting for Hunter Biden, but more. We should look at the elements of this that might implicate Joe Biden or might implicate the Justice Department. But in terms of personal behavior, I mean, Frankly, to me, I don't even expect him to be treated the same as everybody else. He's the fucking vice president's son. I, I wouldn't be so naive to think that there's not going to be some benefits to that, you know. But the actual concern to anybody reasonable is not just like a, a back and forth war. I mean, even even Trump didn't try to, like, go after Hillary's emails or whatever. He like at that point, it was just not palatable to anybody. It's more 
how does this actually relate to the people we're voting for, right? Yeah, but tagging somebody as a Hunter Biden sympathizer is just not a great place to be in a Republican primary. Right or wrong, it's easier to caricature someone as a Biden sympathizer, and that is just not the way to Brian, win. Brian, I would almost... Republican primary voters are angry. They want someone to share that anger, and being soft on Hunter Biden is not the key to winning their hearts. You'd be and hard on Joe almost... Biden. I would almost guarantee you, I would almost stake my life on it that you are incorrect, that my answer would not be more effective coming out of Chris Christie's mouth than the answer he gave. He completely misses the point of what people- Well, let's, I have an out. idea. Let's people, do some focus on, groups. Let's, let's, let's not, get some focus groups together. People, we can literally put the theory to the test. People are not angry about Hunter Biden. People are not cruel. They understand- there are drug addicts. Feel he's said, been treated, every, that he's every, been given benefits. That's that they right. Not, so who is the villain? So they don't want to give him a break. So who is the villain? I, I'm not saying I didn't say give him a break. Who is the villain in that in that story? It's not Hunter Biden. It is Merrick Garland. It is Joe Biden. It is the, it is the way he was treated. Hunter's a every, villain also. Everybody, in the story. everybody taking in America, advantage of his father's position to his own benefit. Uh, thinking the law doesn't apply matter. to him. That's another He's matter. a villain in the story also. And to be sympathetic to that villain again, it's just not a recipe. That wasn't what Christie was addressing. In a Republican we talking, primary. We were talking. Christie was addressing the legal charges. Every, there is not a person in America who is not one degree, maybe two degrees of separation away from a tragic story of drug use. There is I, no, I actually there is, agree with Brian. There is no well of hatred for people who are drug use. There is tremendous hatred for hypocrites. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I, 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 I could not disagree more. And like I said, anytime well, why, why is Haley? Up, why did Haley come up? Why is Haley up six points over everybody else? Why, why is she? Why did she get a jump? Because she was saying, listen, she, she spoke. She spoke with a little kindness. I don't think that's the bump in her polls. I think there's some coalescing around a non- How much would a focus group cost? How much would a focus group cost? I, I, I'll bet you the cost of the focus I, group. I think I, think I can, can bridge get two groups two. together for like 18 grand. I, I I'll bet you the cost. I think what? the part- I will bet you the cost. If I'm right, right. I, if I'm you right. Wanna, you want to pay for focus groups and put this to the test? If I, if, if I win, you pay. If you win, I pay. I am happy to have that discussion. I really, I really think, I, I think you are so wrong here. I feel like I'm, I'm stealing from you. This feels yeah, so. I, I, I'm, I I'm not agree, paying. I actually anything. agree with Brian. I'll put, I'll put money five uh, percent. I'm not paying Listen. anything, but I think that there are definitely people in the Republican camp. There are certainly rabid to see like some sort of vengeance upon Hunter Biden. However, I think that at least enough of those people can be reasoned with where if you articulate it as my goal here isn't to sympathize with Hunter Biden. My goal here is to hold the parties accountable that actually make a difference in this system and not make some sort of like, you know, sacrificial lamb out of Hunter Biden more than is politically expedient. I think that can be articulated in a way where it's like, look, I get why you want to see Hunter Biden go to jail for 10 years. There's probably an appropriate response to this that's not being met. However, the actual problem here is whether Joe Biden knew about these things. I, I think this could, only, this could only happen if you win the nominees already and you have nothing to lose. Then you can say that. But I'm, if sorry, I'm, that sorry, I'm sorry. That I'm sorry, be, I'm sorry and surprised that you guys don't understand that, that, that you don't understand that kindness and forbearance are almost always a good look. People are very forgiving. 
And yes, if you do it in the context of rolling over, then people will accuse you of, of rolling over. Did you know that Donald Trump's at like 55, 60% in a Republican primary? Well, this, this, is, this, is, this is more to my point in the sense that you, 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 the people who are really uh, probably would agree with Brian, they're already Trump voters. They're, they're like you're, 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 you're also trying to appeal to the people who are not in, who are not wedded to Trump and can't be pried off. And they're even more likely, I believe, to agree with me. But I'm saying, I think almost, you know, eight to one people. Will, I can't imagine any meeting someone who, if I say, listen, nobody goes to jail for 10 years because they're a drug addict for filling out a form incorrectly, then they're not really the problem. The problem is the fact that the Justice Department, that the Justice Department was was corrupt. That's our enemy here. And of course, Hunter Biden should serve whatever punishment that anybody in his position would serve. But do you know of anybody who went to jail for 10 years for something like this? I've never heard of that. All right, we'll leave it back again. I I don't know the law. I guarantee you, I will bet you $1,000 right here that there is no such thing as going to jail for 10 years for what Hunter Biden is accused of. No such thing. I guarantee. I I can't speak to the length of a prison sentence. I'm uh, speaking to the lack of sympathy for for Hunter Biden and what a complete failure in strategy it would be to be defined as the Hunter Biden sympathizer on the debate stage. Okay. So so we're going to leave it again to our listeners. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton would agree with me. Bill Clinton was the master at understanding that triangulating your position was was the way to success he was the master at destroying your opponents at at, at putting no. women who accused him of things and putting them on front street now, now and you, destroying just, now, their now reputation you're in, now you're full into your political operative on this well, it's true okay okay let's move on to something right, else. Go ahead. so yep last thing trump Again, and, uh, you know, I'll give you another prediction, uh, Brian, since the last one, Tim Scott, didn't work too well, uh, didn't age well. Let's see. Uh, what do you think? Final nomination for both and I mean, winner of it all. The, the the plurality likelihood is it's Trump against Biden, but I still don't think that's what it is. I acknowledge that that is the 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 most likely scenario i still think that just it just something some bump in the road on one side or both sides prevents that from happening but again that is that that feels like the most likely scenario i mean we are trump has to lose in iowa or new hampshire if he wins those two it's over what if he's convicted what if he's convicted well he'd be convicted after and once he has the delegates it's not like does anyone really think Trump's going to say, you know what, for the good of the country or the good of the party, I'm going to I'm going to step down, and give up my nomination? Of course not. So once he's got those delegates locked in, it is really, really tough to crack that, especially because his, you know, there'll be a lot of his supporters who will be those delegates who were with him. They are ride or die Donald Trump. So I, uh, and I, know, I don't know the details, scenario, but, he, but he, not he, definite. He can't. I don't know all the details, but he can't be president from jail. So I, I don't know about that. We'll I think have, he can. I think he can. No, no. I mean, I mean, he can, maybe he can in 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 some fantasy novel, but in real life, he cannot be president in jail. So either they have to let him out of jail, or he can't be president. I don't know. Maybe maybe the maybe they'll let, have to let him out of jail. Obviously, he cannot be president in jail. That's just the way it goes. It can't. I mean, if if it's anything federal, he certainly pardons himself on any federal crimes, but he can't do anything about the Fulton County charge. So so then he can't be president. So then he can't be president. 
But again, um, do you think? I mean, if he's the nominee, he's not going to give it up for the good of the party or the good of the country. The, 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 the party may have to take extra, uh, find it's some loophole. Pretty tough to crack that nut. Uh, and then, how do you know? Are you aware of all the laws regarding this? I am not super versed in them, but I know that it's it's pretty tough once you've got the delegates lined up because there was some talk of trying to do Let me that. Ask you a question. Let me ask a question. If, if, if Trump is a nominee and he has a stroke and he's in a coma, you think there's no, he has to, he still has to be the nominee? Well, I, no. bet you, I bet you. So, I, so that's right. But, no. but, but, but and I, so, so I would imagine, I would imagine that there are some some mechanisms for someone who's incapacitated and someone will make the argument that being in jail should be considered. I mean, I, I he's not going to be president in jail, even if he wins, he's not going to be president in jail. So let's just be realistic about this. I mean, which I'm not convinced he's going to jail. I mean, convicted. Uh, no, I'm, not, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to jail either, but if that happens, it's just part of the, part of the complications here. So I know he's going to win it all. I think certainly Trump can win, but I think, you know, there, there's certainly it's certainly possible Trump wins. But I think the greater likelihood is he loses pretty badly. Uh, you know, there's a chance he can win, but I think there's a greater chance that he gets blown out. I just think that these voters who were with him in 16 and there's a lot of chat of these college educated suburban voters in the suburbs of Phoenix and Milwaukee and Detroit and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh who were with him in 16, they have not voted for Trump aligned candidates in 18, 20 or 22. And I'm not sure as awful as Joe Biden is and the fact that America accepts that he is clearly not up to the job. I still don't think right now enough of those people who were with Trump in 16 but abandoned him are going to come back. I think they're going to hold their nose and vote and vote for Biden and say, I think Biden is awful, but I just can't take the chaos of Trump anymore. Boris, what's so I would love to see another nominee because I think a Nikki Haley or, or or somebody else can be really successful. And I worry about not just the presidency, but about the Senate and the House of Representatives and all the down ballot races. Trump could be a serious albatross around Republicans neck in November of 24. And we have nobody to blame but ourselves if that's the case. I agree with that. Yeah, Boris. I think we run the country from jail. We put cameras around the whole thing. It'll be a huge spectacle. <laughs> uh, I, I think it could be a really fun time. I say we do it. <laughs> I agree with him. Noam, what's your what's your thoughts? Uh, who's gonna go for each and who's gonna win it all? Yeah, I, there is some. There's there's a, there is a part of me which says there's a, a definitely much less than zero chance that one of these guys will not be the candidate, or neither of them will be the candidate. Um, it it, it seems like it's in the interest of both parties to bring that about. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we're just hurtling into space in this ridiculous scenario. But I mean, can anybody picture Biden as an 86 year old president? And then if people really start to wrap their heads around the idea that they're voting for uh, Kamala Harris, meaning that it's almost a certainty that Biden will not be president at 86. If anybody who looks at him sees, you know, the, the trajectory and that, are you really ready to vote for Kamala Harris? This is really, as that dawns on people, that's really dangerous for the democratic party. I believe we're going to see that in 2024. We're going to see a lot more attention pushed to her. And just one more point on this. I, I would love it, frankly, and, and would be quite confident in Republicans. If, if we got past Trump 
and Biden, and we had a discussion about the future of this country. I mean, I think there's really a discussion to be had here about whether we're going to be more of a socialist country with a big activist federal government or we're not. But that conversation is masked by all of the baggage of Trump and Biden. And ironically, nobody wants Trump and Biden except Trump and Biden. Those two want to face each other and nobody else, you know, I don't think the country really wants to see that. But that's... I don't. Does well, Biden really says wanna, that's where we're headed. Does Biden really want to face Trump? Like, why? Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. Oh, anybody no, else think, will beat him. Anybody? Yeah. Else he like, he loses to Nikki Haley. He loses to Ron DeSantis. I think he loses to almost everybody else because he is clearly, clearly not, not in uh, possessing all of his mental faculties at this point. That is not a political judgment. That is a reality that both Republicans, a majority of Republicans and a majority of Democrats share. But I think people, you know, these independents and swing voters and some of these folks who were with Trump before are just going to say, I can't take the chaos anymore. Enough of this shit. I'm going to I'm going to stick with Biden, even though it's terrible. Look, I think debating I, I, Trump might kill him. <laughs> like, what if what if the process of having debate Trump, it like further brings out all those reasons why everyone's afraid for Joe Biden's health? It's it's very reasonable. I mean, if, if Trump has the position he had in the second debate where he lets Biden talk more, that is to Biden's detriment. In the first debate where Trump interrupted him the whole time and was kind of, well, not kind of, was an asshole. Uh, I, I think that played to Biden's favor because Trump spoke for 60, 65% of the night. The more people see Biden, the more they see Biden fumbling through a, an answer to a basic question, the worse shape he's in. So if I'm if I'm in debate prep with Donald Trump, and this is a tough concept for Trump to grasp, I'm saying less Trump is more Trump in that situation. That sounds wise to me. I agree with that. Yeah. And I and that's one of the things I said also last time is like I think not being in the debate. And being busy with all the court and stuff like that, not talking too much is helping him. Um, so I'm going to start, like, I think uh, after your last performance, Noam, um, you should be the one running the debate between the presidential campaign. So I'm going to get signatures um, to have people uh, have you go ask the questions for the um, next presidential debate. What do you think? You in? But I, I do think it's I do think it's pretty amazing that these that this video went viral like that. Right. I I still can't really wrap my head around it. Well, a lot of videos this. could go viral if you let it, but you don't. So no, no, not, not I think like it's this. a good point. No, it would have because there's a lot of it. It's about a good point. But um, why do why do you think it went viral? Let me see if you know why it went viral. Me? Yeah, because I made some calls. Because what? I made some calls. I made it go. No, do do you know why it went viral? I think it went viral. I mean, there's well. It helped with a lot of people like uh, popular, you know, uh, retweeted it, obviously. But I think it caused, you know, I think it was a good example of what's going on right now, you know, which we have a lot in this podcast since day one, which is you ask the right questions and people see that pretend that they know or take one side, just don't know the answer. They really don't. I know? think it went viral because he looked crazy. <laughs> That's the reason it went viral. If he had calmly said, no, I don't really know. I don't really know. Like it was, it was, it wasn't the transcript wouldn't go viral. It's because he, he, the psychodrama was, was went viral, and there's no, there's no uh, predicting that. I actually left that interview dejected because I had so many points I wasn't able to make. I didn't even realize. Oh, but this is even better because this guy lost his shit. 
That's really but, but another reason why it was popular is you are you are not exactly a deemed a, a you know a tool of the right wing media here, and you exposed the uh, you know the clear shamelessness with which someone in the mainstream media is trying to defend Team Biden, and you exposed that I thought from a pretty rational, fair perspective that that just made that their whole argument look weak. I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that. Agenda. I appreciate you saying that. So I take back all the, the, the mean things I said about your other arguments. Yeah. <laughs> so did. I mean, because you, you are a smart man. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm, te I'm teasing. I, I, uh, I hope I, I hope I don't go too far with uh, I, I just really reject that stuff that you. Were no, I mean, listen, we all we all we all have blind spots and you're clearly blind on that issue. And you're still a good guy, but that's OK. And again, okay. if if I, if I had money to spare, I would support these groups. Uh, the, Hold on, you know I what? I'm going to tell you, if I, have, I have I have if I have I don't have any client focus groups coming up. But if I do, I'm going to devote five minutes at the end of the focus group. I'm going to pose this question and I'm going to send you the clip. And play, no, play, play the it. play the my clip and play the my clip saying it because I was in the zone. And by the way, why can't we get Luntz? What's his name? Frank Luntz? Is that his name? Yep. He'd be a great guest to have. Yeah, but him. he'll charge you forty thousand dollars for the groups. No, no, yeah, I know. Oh, oh. But I mean, but he'd be a great he'd be a great guest. And um, and maybe now that uh, you know he that that clip I did with a bump across his desk in some way, maybe he'd be inclined to do it. But I'd love to play that for him and ask him what he thinks. Yeah, I'll get him. All right. Well, okay. guys, thank you so much for this. If you want to leave uh, where people can follow you and uh, uh, and all that, let's go Boris first. What do you have next? Uh, you have coming up, people follow you. At the Boris K on Instagram. Follow Airbnb Drama Podcast. Listen to it everywhere. Next weekend, I'll be in Jersey Friday night. I'll be on both shows at the Laugh Tour in Jersey City. And Saturday, the 16th, I'll be at the Williams Center for Hatem's show. That's right. Brian? You can find me on my website, rdpstrategies.com or Instagram, BPS1015, and on the show periodically. There you go. Well, you, you can find me on, uh, you know, Fox News. Uh, <laughs> on, on, OAN, uh, Newsmax. Was, was it on OAN? Uh, I saw it on, I saw, I saw something, I saw it originally on Fox, and then I saw it on either OAN or Newsmax, I saw a headline. No, no that, that bothers me, and, you know, like, first of all, I don't want to become some darling of the right, but, um, it's, it's, it bothers me that, 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 um, CNN doesn't pick it up. I mean, it's, it's, the CNN has a, uh, as a media show, right? Do they still have that, that Stelter used to do? Yeah. Who, who hosts it now? Uh, I'm not sure who hosts it now. I used to. I think uh, did Howard Kurtz move over there for no, a Howard while? Howard Kurtz is on Fox. Is that is that Oliver? He's, is it? Oliver was it on Fox. I thought he. Moved, I don't know. It's it's. I'm I'm not sure. But no, they wouldn't cover it because they don't. They, they want to be on. They're, they're with bump side of it. I mean, they don't want to expose any. Yeah, but any that's, but that's my point. Is like it's not. I guess I. It's it's not not everything has to be like that. I mean, if you have a show that covers the media. And this is a media story. Even if you means you want to bring somebody up there to defend Bump's performance, it's still a hugely viral media story. And if you don't cover it, you're just kind of doubling down on what it was, the reason that it went viral. It's like, 
Yeah, yeah, but they don't want to alienate their viewers. I mean, the Fox lawsuit with the with the you know Diebold showed that you know you can't you you don't want to alienate your your viewers. I mean, there's no such thing as quote unquote news anymore. You know, I think it's one of the big problems in the country is that we can't agree on news. You get to you get to pick your prism of news. Do you want conservative news, liberal news? Roger Ailes didn't feel that way. News. Roger Fox News was not like that prior. They used to bring they used to have people of different views all the time on Fox News. Yeah, but it's always still been right of center. And yeah, now they, it's more right of center. No, they, they they were right of center in the in in the the stories they chose to cover. But there was never a shortage of smart. David Corn of all people was a regular foil on the O'Reilly factor. Well, I remember Hannity and Combs. I mean, I remember when that was a show. Uh, but that 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 didn't prove as successful as just Hannity on his own. I mean, right. each of the you know MSNBC yeah. is a doppelganger of Fox News. I mean, that just it is what it is. I, I think Naomi only I only gonna consider that you made it if you are in Al Jazeera. Then, and then only, you'll be. Uh, if you are what? Be, if you're in Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera. If you're on Al Jazeera. So listen, I'm gonna issue an NFT of my Phil Bump interview. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What happened to should. NFTs? That was such a rage for a while, but they're, they're, they're gone. You didn't buy yeah. one of those Trump NFTs? No, no. I did buy a Trumpy bear. They should have done like Beanie Baby NFTs just to really like. Oh, that's great. That's a great so idea. <laughs> All right. Bye. That's it. We're done. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Good to see bye. you. Thank you.